This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated. Uh, this is the Northwest to the Southeast America's Car Radio Show. And if it has a throttle, we'll be happy to talk about it on air, online, on mobile, on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Um, you had a birthday this week. I did. Uh, but you didn't really celebrate it the way you wanted to. No, not really. Uh, why, why don't we just celebrate it throughout the show? Okay. I'll just remind everybody, they can say happy birthday to you. <laughs> and they I'm 29. Are you? <laughs> no. Can I see your driver's license, please? No. Why? Because. What? We don't need to talk about age on the air. <laughs> Nobody really cares how old I am. They don't? Apparently you do. Mm-mm. Wait, wait a second. You won't give me your driver's license, but you care about how old you are. Well, you know how old I am. How old should you be to take somebody's license away? Or how old should the, should the oldest that somebody should be able to drive? If they can't drive, then All right, so does it mean that has to be a test at a certain age? What do you think? I don't know. I'm going through this right now. <laughs> I have a parent who is doing okay, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be like this for long. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? I feel like somehow the evil child. Do you, would you feel like an evil child if you had to take your dad's driver's license or your mom's? Oh, God, I'd feel awful, but... How are you going to deal with that? Time's going to come. Thanks. Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it, You'd obviously uh, have to have a very serious conversation. And doesn't work. Tried it. Really? Yeah. How about a doctor's note? No, doesn't work. Doesn't work either? My doctor's my best friend. It's his doctor, too. Mm. No, doesn't work. Wow. You have to keep stepping it up, and of course, as soon as you step it up... They push back because driving is an independence. Driving is a beautiful thing. It's to be American is to be able to drive. Well, so, maybe autonomy cars come out a little faster uh, than we uh, think. Autonomous uh, I mean, cars. I think I think autonomous vehicles are probably evolving as fast because people still want the freedom of being able to get out on the road and go where they want. And you know, calling an Uber or a That's Lyft is say. not always a great idea. I moved my parents into a house. I mean, I didn't move them. I encouraged them to move the last time they moved into a house where they were within walking distance of near facilities like grocery stores and that type of thing. Good exercise. It's just a little too far. It's like a mile, maybe oh. maybe 0.75 a mile. It's a little. My dad will come to my house and walk my dogs every day uh, at least a mile. But he won't walk to the grocery store. No, because he has to carry all that stuff back, right? All right. But he also goes grocery shopping every day. The older you get, you, you know, it's mandatory you grocery shop every day. <laughs> you, <remember laughs> because when, they have time to Remember go when Stephen was like three and you used to go to the supermarket and you used to have a shopping cart that was so full you couldn't get anything yes, else in it? Yes, Because you wanted to go grocery shopping like once a month or no, actually, once every two yeah, weeks. Yeah, every once every two weeks. And diapers tape up a lot of space. So. <laughs> Not at three. I feel weird <laughs> talking about your son who's now in his mid-twenties about wearing, him wearing yeah. diapers. But he, anyway. Yeah, he's not wearing <laughs> Not now. <laughs> not I, well, now. I hope he's not now. Uh, so, but the people get old. It's not, it's not pleasant to, and I sit next to my parent. I'm actually okay because he doesn't listen to the show. I sit next to my parent 
Um, and sit next to my dad. My mom never usually drives if uh, it's usually my dad. Since next, I sit next to my dad, and I'm like, oh, watch out for this, and dad, slow down, and everybody's braking. <laughs> Start the arm thing. But you have an added complication. Your dad also is a motorcycle rider. Mm-hmm. That's that's a even that's a double scary frightening dot com. But yeah, but my dad is actually they're both my mom and dad are very smart when it comes to driving. I'm glad you said that. Okay, when it comes to driving, oh, well, I, in general, yes. My parents okay, are dumb. Get, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, my parents listen. <laughs> but no, they're very smart. I mean, you know, if they're sick or whatever, they obviously don't drive. The other one will drive. Now they're both retired. It's great, you know. They could take care of each other. All right, but you're still but not answering the question. At some point, you're going to have to have this conversation. You and your sister are going to have to sit down with your parents and say, Hey, Dad, or hey, Mom, don't think the world quite works the same way as you think it do- does. It's not everybody else's fault on the road. <laughs> I have a ways to go on that, I think. You do? Okay. Yeah. But your dad's feisty. He is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely got a mouth on him. Uh, He's feisty. I'm sure that's very My father-in-law, difficult. you would meet my father-in-law. Feisty. I want to hose him off every time I see him. <laughs> he's like an old Navy guy, and he's like, I'm stupid. They're all dumb. Dumb. <laughs> and then expletive. Awesome. Expletive. Yeah. Uh, this is a question is we love our freedom in America. We love to be mm-hmm. able to drive. So now you have to start looking at what do I put my parents in as a car? Well, not a Corvette. If you <laughs> no, but you you want uh, you want them in a vehicle which is safe. Exactly. Uh, and so you have to start thinking about oh, what hey this this vehicle will do this and this will correct him into the middle of the lane and this one will stop him backing out of a parking space and hit a shopping trolley and um at the Trader Joe's here near our house mm-hmm. they have the cart return is red. It's red plastic. So it's it's metal in the middle of the parking lot. There's four or five of them. Yeah. And they have red plastic down the side. That red plastic seems to get on the front fender of my dad's car more often than you can imagine. <laughs> it's it's frightening. It's pretty sad. Yeah, too. you're going to have to get the auto stop vehicle. Yeah, yeah. so you need something that's, uh, that's not going to, you know, you're not going to run into stuff. Uh, it's a difficult conversation. Uh, I've started to have it. Maybe we should, uh, we need to get a specialist on to talk about this. How do you tell your parents that they're too old to drive? Or your aunt, or someone else you know. Or not necessarily too old, but how do you scale them back and make them safe and stop them? Because not everyone can run out and buy a new car. All right, we're going to find out about a lot on today's show. Mike Corval is going to be here. We're going to talk about the Ram trucks that were introduced at the Texas, uh, the State Fair of Texas. They were revealed there for everybody to see. Mostly trim levels, and they are nice trim levels. Mm-hmm. They got really sexy. Mike uh, is a cool guy. I met him for the first time down there, and he's the super special VP over there at uh, Ram. We're going to get to talk about the new Lincoln Continental, the 80th anniversary Lincoln Continental. That's the one with the coach doors, everybody. They're not called suicide doors. They're called coach doors. Um, <laughs> we'll find out about that. Perry Stern going to join us from MSN. Uh, he's going to tell us tips on your automobile preparation for winter and also talk about the Mercedes-Benz GLC event that we went on and Toyota have a new Mirai and some new hybrids. We'll be talking all about that. That is what's going on on today's show. Now, I also have to tell you, 
we need to have a discussion about what I've been driving this week. I know. I'm so excited to tell for you to tell everybody what you've been driving. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's a car that Jen's been waiting for. Mm-hmm. All right. We got that. We got more coming up. And of course, uh, you can get hold of us on social media. Our auto expert across all the social media, man. Also, uh, find out uh, previous shows and listen to them at ourautoexpert.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows and our automotive videos are there, our TV segments from around the country, inside car stories. Uh, you can read them at ourautoexpert.com, the whole uh, shebang. I went for my first uh, visit ever to the State Fair of Texas, and it's big, and it's uh, I didn't when we went there it wasn't opening day it was sort of the auto show portion of it uh, where a lot of manufacturers texas an important market especially for suvs and trucks a lot of manufacturers uh, roll out new vehicles show them off because it's such an important market but i hear the fair itself fry deep fries everything they deep fry pepsi uh cookie dough twinkies uh yeah why are you rolling your eyes uh, just my stomach just uh, i don't eat deep fried food if i, no, I, I mean, can't but no, oh except my gosh. chicken do you do you have do you eat deep fried chicken no i pull the skin off usually yeah, yeah. what fun are you well, oh, I'm, Jordan's shaking his head in. Too. All I can say is I'm just super jealous that you got to see these wait, trucks. Wait a second. I pull the skin off, but I just eat the skin. I could leave the chicken. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to see a whole bunch of new uh, trucks uh, revealed. And one of the ones that were most exciting was what Ram had to offer. Joining us on the phone is Mike Coval. He's from Ram. Uh, Mike is the big cheese and the chief bottle washer at Ram. He's basically in charge of, of everything. Uh, Mike, you introduced several new vehicles while you were in Texas. Uh, showed us off probably some of the sexiest trucks on the market, right? Well, thanks, Nick. And first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, I appreciate uh, your reference to me as the big cheese. I'm fairly certain that they deep fry cheese down there as well. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> He's a curd. Well, yeah, it's, uh, as, you, as you pointed out, and, and again, thank you for having me. And good afternoon to everybody. It was a, uh, you know, we, we do appreciate uh, how important the truck market is. And, you know, this year, more than any other year, we've, we've heard from our customers that personalization and customization really matters. And we believe firmly that what you drive is an extension of your personality. And so what you saw from Ram at the 2019 State Fair of Texas was the release of our new uh, night and, uh, and black appearance packages. And I have to tell you, they are just absolutely breathtaking uh, when you see them coming down the road. Uh, and we are just really excited about uh, the overall uh, reception to these new packages. So. I mean, a lot of people were taking their trucks when they bought them, and you know, obviously, Chrome used to be a big thing in the last, uh, you know, ten years or so. And they were taking these, and they were blacking everything out. And you decided to pull the trigger a little ahead of time and say, "Well, listen, you're going to black it all out. We might as well give you what you want, right?" Well, exactly. And it's not that Chrome is going away. Uh, let me be clear. It's just that we are seeing a, an interesting trend in the marketplace. And, and, you know, frankly, we're seeing it from the competition as well. But this whole concept of monochromatic appearance packages and just, you know, kind of making everything from the headlamps to the fender flares to the headlights and the taillights all the same color. It just it really makes a statement uh, on these particular products. And we believe with our new Rebel and uh, limited models on the light duty 
and the big horn model on the heavy duty, it just uh, it really makes a statement when they're coming down the road. I look at those, and I, I obviously walked around the trucks after you. You had four trucks that you pulled the silks off there in Texas after after you you did your introduction and got to walk around them. It actually makes the whole truck look completely different when you've blacked the li- everything from the lights, the bumpers, the the wheels. And it, it looks just so menacing. I almost feel like they should have one of those presidential CIA seals on the side of the door. They, they kind of look very stealth. They, they do. They do. And, and uh, you know, let's not forget that these trucks bring with them all of the, the things that our buyers expect from us, from performance and, and capability. And now you just really make a statement with the styling as well. And that's really what gets them excited. Uh, we will always be there for our customers. And, you know, at Ram, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, it, it. This past Friday, October the 4th, marked our 10-year anniversary. So 2019 has been a bit of a milestone year for, uh, for the Ram brand, as it was 10 years ago that we did become a standalone brand. Uh, and so we've kind of, uh, you know, dubbed this last 10 years sort of the decade of innovation. And uh, along those lines, uh, we're going to continue to bring new and interesting offerings that we think will bring new buyers uh, into the brand. I think if we zoom out uh, maybe 10,000 feet and look at the truck market in the United States overall, there's several uh, patterns emerging of what people want from their trucks. I noticed that we share the studios here with a Hispanic station, and I noticed the program director from the Hispanic station comes in, and this is a family man who works at a radio station. He's a program director. He he has ostensibly an office or a studio job. Um, He brings his kids in on the weekend, and what does he have? A fully decked out luxury truck i mean that's what he chooses to drive and we're seeing a lot more of that now americans even if they don't use and and many americans do use their trucks for hauling and for toys and for adventures but even if you have uh have it as a family vehicle americans are starting to choose trucks it's really something and and we've you're absolutely right we've seen this trend and from a macroeconomic perspective with interest rates still at relatively historical lows fuel prices relatively stable uh, we are seeing more folks come into the truck segment than ever before. In fact, we know that we're pulling people out of mid-sized cars, for example, and uh, no longer. I mean, at one point in time, perhaps it was taboo to have a full-size truck to do exactly what you described, to kind of be a family vehicle. But honestly, from the beginning, Ram, we designed our new Ram 1500 to absolutely be a no-compromise truck. So you get the largest interior, and to your point, which can haul families uh, or work crews, frankly, and all the comfort they need. The handling and the ride on the road, Nick, never been better. Uh, Cargo and trailer towing capability, like we said earlier, will always be there. And maybe most importantly, we have luxury and technology that is on par or better than many of the premium luxury manufacturers across the globe. And, you know, this new 12-inch touchscreen radio that we have in our new Ram 1500 has been an absolute game changer. And we are pulling people in from not only other competitive truck uh, OEMs, but also from other segments, frankly, even down to the mid-sized car. So let's talk about that, because you have attained what was at one point thought pretty unattainable. You quite comfortably have moved into the number two position as the truck seller. It always was the Ford F-150, followed by the Silverado, uh, followed by the Ram or the Dodge, depending on what year we were talking about. And the innovation has carried you quite uh, with quite big margins into that second place. 
is this due to the innovations that you've put together in these trunks or is it just uh, the the failing of perhaps the competition to match what you do well you know i i this is it goes back to the the notion of leadership and uh and again our our sites have uh have, have been on uh on, on building a no compromise truck you know the 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 ramp 1500 the only ramp 1500 and it's hard to believe we brought that to market almost a year and a half ago uh, and it's become the most awarded half-ton pickup in America, which really has kind of had a halo effect across the entire brand, Nick, to be honest with you. So through the third quarter, we just got the updated numbers. We're up 23% Oof. on a year-over-year basis, which is, when you think about it, is remarkable. But, you know, I, I can't take credit for it. it. Our designers, our engineers, we listen to our truck customers. We asked what they wanted and what they needed and where they saw the future. So... The investments we made in our interior, they're world-class interiors. And then you add in the innovation with the 12-inch touchscreen, along with all of the power and the torque and, and, and the capability that comes along with it. And again, we're just, um, we've enjoyed some, some nice sales success, but make no mistake, we're not resting on our laurels. Uh, we just launched the 2019 Heavy Duty, which is really starting to make a name for itself in the marketplace as well. And then, um, you know, what you saw here at the State Fair of Texas, we're going to continue to build upon that success with new, interesting, and innovative, uh, you know, features and, and exterior right. appearance packages to continue to bring people into the brand. Um, and I will also tell you that I am extremely excited because I've heard some some rumors, and they are just rumors because I know you won't be able to confirm them, that, that you may have something really cool to show everybody at SEMA, which you always do, which is the sort of the aftermarket show that comes to Vegas. If people want to see these trucks, uh, Mike, where would they go? In the first place I would ask everybody to go is to Ram Trucks dot com all one word ramtrucks.com and we'll have uh, all of our information there for them to see michael val from ram uh, congratulations and uh, i'm excited to see how well these black car trucks do coming up more our auto expert on the way and we have some surprises in store stand by here we go you're listening to the our auto expert podcast Welcome back to the show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Start a conversation with us at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, I've been test driving a couple of vehicles this uh, this last week or so. I've been on lots of trips. I went to, I traveled to Germany and was in Germany for less time than I actually, uh, what are you doing? Nothing. You getting candies out? You want one? No. Are you sure? They're yeah. the watermelon mint I'm ones. On, I'm on the air. I don't need candies. Mm, okay. Do my breast smell? Coffee? Do I have coffee? I don't breath? know. Thank God you're over there. Uh, I, <laughs> I traveled to Germany uh, after the show last week. And I was in Germany for less time. It took me to get there and then and, and return. Uh, but I did get to drive around the, the Nürburgring outside the Nürburgring. Didn't actually drive it on the ring. You're rolling your eyes at me. Nope. Not at all. The Aston Martin Vantage <laughs> manual. Now I'm going to roll my eyes. Okay, ah. just check it out. I want to be quite clear about it. Uh, it's it's a, a pretty amazing V8 piece of machinery. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. They did a really good job at balancing it. In fact, they, they had some interesting things. The, the weight changed quite dramatically because they took out the all of the stuff with the uh, automatic transmission and put in the, all the stuff that goes with a manual transmission. So it's actually 5149 now, 49 at the back, 51. So they had to change the spring rate at the back. If you're not familiar with Avantage, just go look at it. This is definitely the sexy James Bond car. Although I almost feel like James Bond would have to drive an automatic. 
So he could shoot his guns. Yeah, shoot his guns. Like, you know, press press the rockets and shifting Mm -hmm. at the same time. Gotcha. So, yeah, I I should have brought that up. What color Uh, did you drive? What color was yours? I mean, they're just all beautiful. The car car was, you know, well clear of $100,000, and she's asking what color it was. Yeah, I want to know what color. Was it the red one, or was it like the the gray with the yellow? The gray with the yellow stripe was the 59th anniversary. So Le Mans, they won Le Mans 59, Mm -hmm. uh, and they won that uh, 60 years ago. Uh, in an Aston Martin, and to celebrate that uh, win, the 50-month Le Mans, they made uh, 59 special editions of the Aston Martin Vantage manual. Uh, so they were on display there. I took up some pictures, and you can see them on my uh, Facebook uh, account, or Twitter account. Just go to Our Auto Expert. You can see all this stuff. Uh, it And I, I posted them there, and guess how many are for sale? Um, Out of the 59 they made. Probably none. Yeah, because they sold. Them. <laughs> I was like, they sold them all. Probably the like, hey, first day. The probably here's the car. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're all sold. Yeah. Thanks. Of course. Uh, I always find that that annoys me. Bugatti does that too. Car companies sell out everything way before I get to ever touch it, drive it, feel it. No. Uh, it's just the way it goes, though. Yeah. Sometimes to. it is. Uh, but the regular one there is, uh, you know, the launch edition. There's, there's several of them around. They are really nice. What have I been driving this week? I came home to drive the G70. Mm-hmm. which is the Genesis that, that we car. drove at Run to the Sun. I love that car. Um, it's a competitor to the BMW 3 Series. I am super impressed by it. For the cost, you know, starting in the $30,000 range, what you actually get compared to the competition, especially the German luxury vehicles, oh, yeah. uh, it, it is definitely a high-stakes competitor if you're into sedans and sporty sedans. And I think they'll have an SUV based off of it coming between now and the end of the year as well. Plus, also got very sizzled by the fact that I have something that Stuart Fowl from Buick promised us that we would get to drive the yeah. Enclave, the Buick Enclave, which is uh, is the three-row SUV. I think they call it the original luxury three-row SUV. They may have a lot of arguments with other companies who think, I think Mercedes think they had the first three-row luxury SUV um, with the GL, GLC, but this, or the GLE, but this is uh, definitely a, a very affordable one. And, of course, it has a lot of the features that I really like, that sliding second-row seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one-hand operator. Five-year-old could do it. Would you actually let your kid operate a second-row seat if you were little? What did you say? Would you let your kid operate a second-row seat, like slide it forward on their own? Well, why not? I think a lot of people will scare the kid will get trapped or, you know, no? It depends on how smart your kid is. Get in yeah. the back. <laughs> Pull the lever, get in the back. Yeah, just get back there. <laughs> Put your own car seat in. Yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that the kind of mom that you were? No. Well, yeah. just depends. I mean, my son, they didn't have car seats like when you're 10 years old, you know, when my son was. I mean, it was only like you're three or four and you're good. You oh, know. so once they were done, they, then there was no booster seats. So right. And, you know, technically, if I lost some weight, I might have to be in a booster seat. <laughs> I th- Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Check it out online. Are you under the weight limit for a booster seat? I'm just saying. <sighs> if I lost a little bit of weight. <laughs> I wish I was under the weight to be in a booster seat. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be on one of our, our adventure rides? Excuse me, uh, I need to put a booster seat in. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you won't drive several things like Camaros because you can't see over the dash. No, I ha- Oh, the new ones, yeah. I don't like the new Camaro dashes at all. You can't see, you can't see over the dash. No, they got those big, chunky... What, what's it going to be like when you get to 80? <laughs> 
God. I'll get my booster seat out. There's nobody driving this car. Coming up, a lot more to go. We're going to talk about the luxury Lincoln Continental with the coach doors, plus uh, getting your car ready for winter. That's all coming up on our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. Of course, welcome to our listeners from coast to coast. Uh, whether you're in Chicago, Seattle, Portland, wherever, we welcome you to the show. Uh, I have been on two very uh, exciting events. Uh, you would know them probably better as junkets, but we call them short leads, where I go and drive new vehicles. Uh, I got to drive recently the Lincoln Aviator, which is there. They have the Navigator, of course, the big vehicle that's been around for years. Next step down, the Aviator, and then also the Lincoln Corsair, which is uh, a slight step down from that. Um, I was impressed by both of them, the quiet flight, the design, the interiors, well put together. But one of the vehicles that Lincoln is most well known for is uh, the Lincoln Continental. My father-in-law still drives one, insists on having one. Uh, I think his is from 1984. Uh, he Every time, you know, the, the, he exhausts these vehicles after 10 years and they're no longer viable, he'll go out and find another one that has very low miles on it and, uh, and buy that. Uh, some of the best years were in the Continental. And Lincoln, of course, on its way back to being one of the premium luxury vehicles or luxury car companies, uh, after a few years of being somewhat dark, the vehicles are outstanding. But to celebrate the great heritage and the uh, the 80th anniversary, they came out with a special Continental, which had coach doors, uh, but they're bringing it back for 2020. And joining us on the phone, Ted Ryan from Lincoln. Uh, Ted, the, the initial run of this Continental, uh, the 80th anniversary edition, were, turned a lot of heads, got a lot of people excited. So you've decided to, to keep the, the trend going? Uh, we did. It's exciting. The the coach doors will be back uh, on the Lincoln Continental. Fully built car. It's, a, it's virtually it's a custom coach. Uh, just an extended Lincoln Continental, and it harkens back to the heritage of Lincoln. Uh, my actual job title is I'm the Archives and Heritage Brand Manager, so I'm in charge of the the great history uh, for Lincoln and for uh, uh, for the Ford Motor Company. And uh, I love to tell these stories about the Continental and, and its and its role in American culture. First of all, we should probably get some etiquette things out of the way, and I, I battle with this all the time. Everybody looks at these vehicles and they want to say suicide doors, which sends a <laughs> shiver down my spine. And I always like to correct them and say, I think the correct uh, the correct door is is coach door. Uh, is that is is there a difference between a coach door and a suicide door? Because uh, suicide doors sound just so depressing. No, it's just the way the pop culture in the nineteen sixties the the. The famous 1961 Lincoln Continental with the coach doors. Uh, the one of the urban legends uh, grew out about it, and it was called suicide doors because the doors might open. I'll guarantee you the technology that's on the doors then, and the, even more so on the doors now, they're never going to open up. They're they're entirely safe. But uh, coach doors is the term that we that we like to use it at Lincoln and. Uh, the new Lincoln 80th Anniversary Edition. There are only 80 of those that were done last year, and it proved so popular that for 2020 we're going to bring back the coach doors again. So this this vehicle, is it going to be a limited run for 2020, or uh, if, if people want them, if they keep ordering them, are you going to keep making them? 
I would uh, right now it's a limited edition run for 2020, but uh, wherever there's a demand, usually there's a way to, to fill that demand. So. Uh, keep buying them, and then I suspect we'll keep making them for you. Let's talk a little bit about the history of the Continental. So this vehicle, sort of, uh, my first recollection of it was in the 80s, uh, sort of 82, 84, and uh, and I think it was especially uh, popular towards the end of the 80s, probably selling around 200,000 a year, I think, 88 uh, maybe maybe earlier than that, maybe later than that. Is that the Continental sort of uh, the, the time which most people remember it being the star of the Lincoln lineup? Uh, there's three different iterations. Well, that is a, that, that would be the Ford. So the Lincoln Continental itself was the brainchild of Edsel Ford, the son of Henry Ford. And he and his wife had traveled to Europe in 1938. And, and he loved the, the sleek designs of the cars and noticed that nothing like that existed in the high-end American market. Uh, so he and his designer, uh, uh, Bob Gregory, they lengthened the car. They added 12 inches to a Lincoln Zephyr, and they lowered it by 4 inches. And you got the low, sleek look. And that first generation, that Mark I of Lincoln, was, was 1939 to 1948. There were only 5,000 of those made. Then the one a lot of people know is the Lincoln Mark II, the 56 one. Uh, Liz Taylor had one painted to match her eye color. Frank Sinatra had one. Elvis Presley. It was the car of the stars. Then the uh, pre, the one I've mentioned already, the 61 Lincoln with the coach doors. Then when you get to the 80s and, and you get the, the beautiful, uh, they're more square at this point, and it's, it's a very late 70s, early 80s car. I always think of the French Connection when I think of that particular Lincoln. But to me, Lincoln always matches what the style of the time is. So the beautiful coach door edition of the Continental matches what the world wants in 2020. And now, uh, I guess back in the 50s or the 30s, they were all handmade because that's the only way cars were made at that point. We didn't really have the modern production line. But you sort of return to that uh, by hand-making these vehicles, and definitely the the inside is, is all handmade. Is that add a, a level of luxury, a level of uh, history to the car? It does. It takes the car all the way back to what Lincoln has always been. You know, Lincoln is prestige lincoln is luxury lincoln is a brand that stands above and beyond everything else and so with the custom builds of all of these uh coach door continentals for the 2020 you're getting a car that has been you know it, it, it lovingly crafted and excellent quality uh because that's the lincoln dna and frankly that's the edsel ford dna it goes all the way back to edsel ford and his desire to build the world's best car. There's a great Edsel Ford quote. I use it all the time. He said, uh, my father made the most popular car in the world. I want to make the best car in the world. And that's what the 2020 Lincoln Continental is. And, and I will also tell you that uh, when when you have it out at auto shows, when you first announced uh, the 80th uh, anniversary edition, when you first showed it off, I think it was at New York Auto Show, uh, the amount of pictures that were taken in front of that car, I think it was probably one of the, one of the most photographed cars on the, uh, the floor of the auto show, just because it does make you, it looks, it looks like a, it could be a presidential car, it looks like it's, uh, it's a movie star car, it kind of has that fresh feeling. It is, and Frank, you mentioned a president's car. Lincoln has always been the car of presidents. Uh, uh, it, it was the car for JFK. It was the car uh, for LBJ. Had a special bar built into his. Nixon actually had a microwave built into his. The, the Lincoln would customize these beautiful Continentals uh, for the Secret Service. Turn them over for the Secret Service for the 
the security aspects of the car, and it was the car of presidents. I noticed that the 56, I was just trying to see what the value was. And, uh, you know, the value ranges from around thirty to to $100,000, depending on uh, what sort of... Uh, uh, shape it is. They made a they made a coupe version of the vehicle, a two door. And uh, was that the only time Lincoln ever made a two door, or did they make other two doors in history? Uh, they made other two doors. Uh, one of the very first Continentals was was a two door as well. So uh, the two door and the four door have have come and gone. Uh, it's interesting with the fifty six one. I think if you ask most people what they think of when they think of Continental, uh, they're going to say the fifty six or probably the sixty one. Uh, coach door series and when lincoln wanted to celebrate its 80th anniversary uh for for the continental they went back to the coach door uh to to celebrate the brand and just to show the brand off uh, they didn't go back to the mark ii uh which was so distinctive the mark ii at that time by the way was the most expensive car in the world at over ten thousand dollars wow and the coach door one is the most expensive car in the lincoln family uh the current 2021 is Okay, so with the 80th anniversary, um, it looks like you get the Black Label membership. Can you touch on that? You do. The Black uh, Label membership is is uh, special to Lincoln, and essentially, it is it's like having a concierge for your car. If you are broken down, you call. If you need service, you call. We proactively reach out to you to arrange uh, to to have your car cared for. Uh, you mentioned my favorite Lincoln. You know, if you're going to give me two Lincolns, I'm going to take the 61 Coach Door, and I'm going to take the Corsair. I love the new way the, the Lincoln style and, and uh, style DNA, luxury DNA, brought over to a small crossover. Uh, it just, it's a perfect size for me, and I, I love the attention to detail. And I love the black label that would come with, uh, with the uh, current Continental as well. It, it's luxurious service for a luxurious car. The, it's, it's funny you say that because the Corsair happens to be my favorite Lincoln too. I just think when you get so much luxury in such a small package, it's uh, and you get a great performance too. Um, I was surprised at how the the Corsair performs, especially as you put it in sport mode, which I have to tell you, I never take it out of sport mode. But I probably burn through way more gas than I need to. But putting it into sport mode, I was surprised that such a small uh, compact SUV or a small SUV could actually perform as well as it could uh, with all of those accoutrements. Uh, of the luxury on board at the same time the uh with the continental uh with the coach doors do you get to customize it somewhat or do they all come the same uh you do get to customize via color and via trim kits and via interiors and for the 80th anniversary one uh there were special name badges that, that were applied to the car uh so you do have choices on on uh, the look and feel, the final look and feel of the car, but essentially all all of the uh, um, experiences are going to be the same, except for the different trims and different colors. And I like the idea of being able to uh, sort of uh, choose. A lot of times when you get sort of limited edition vehicles, you don't get to choose any of that. They come as one one way, and they come the livery uh, comes as as one way. Do you? Uh, do you is there room to put a microwave in the back of one of these? <laughs> Honestly, when I sat in it, when it was premiered, I thought, as I'm getting in the car, I was thinking to myself, good grief, Shaquille O'Neal could sit in this car and not even <laughs> yeah, it. could fit a small house in it. It, it. It's an enormous, and the interior is just so plush, and uh, it, it's an amazing car. Uh, it, 
it is a luxury to find. I think Edsel Ford would be happy looking down at the 80th anniversary Coach Door Edition or the the 2020 Coach Door Edition because, as he said, he wanted to build the best car in the world, and it fits that bill. And many of our listeners, uh, like Seattle, Portland, Chicago, they deal with winter as well. I know that one of the auto show had white carpets in or cream carpets in there. Please tell me that they come in a darker color. It does come in a darker color. You can, <laughs> you can, you can get a darker Believe me, in Detroit, uh, you, uh, with all the snow we get, you, you're not going to want white carpets either. I should. I was going to get. Uh, I'm coming to Detroit on the sixth. I wish I should have asked them uh, to let me drive the Continental with the coach doors. That would have been fun, uh, too. All right. So, uh, if someone wants to buy them, what price are we talking about, and what sort of availability, and how do they go about ordering one? Uh, they need to go to Lincoln.com, and you can look up the details on how to order one. Uh, availability will be there. Uh, the price is north of a hundred thousand dollars, but it's going to be worth every penny. Uh, because essentially you're getting a custom-built car. And the likelihood is that there's limited numbers, right? Yes, there will be limited numbers, but uh, first come, first serve, and I would I would not uh, dally. Uh, the 80th anniversary, we only made 80 of them, and they were gone, and they were gone very quick. All right. Well, look forward to it. I know that, Ted, that Lincoln will have some news at the LA Auto Show, which is coming up in a few weeks' time or so. Uh, Ted, thanks for joining us, talking about a car which I would very much like to see in my collection, the new Lincoln Continental Special Edition with the coach doors. It's returning for 2020. And, of course, as Ted said, you can go to Lincoln.com and you can actually see the vehicle there. Uh, You can also find out how to order one. If you want a little taste of the 1960s, you can buy it all over again. With Lincoln coming up, we're going to be talking about how to winterize your vehicle for the upcoming winter season. Mercedes Benz have a new GLC and Toyota have a new Mirai. All that on our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our autoexpert.com. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. You can hear previous episodes of the show uh, at oldrotoexpert.com. And then we've got years and years of them there, so you'll be entertained. In fact, why don't you just get rid of everything else you listen to, your music streaming and everything else, and you can just listen to our Oral Expert on the way. Yeah, on the way to it. Did you just break the microphone? Stop playing with it. I think with a five-year-old Help. in the studio, honestly. <laughs> I, I was talking a lot constantly about how it was bringing up, as a single mom, bringing up your son, and then uh, and, and now I wonder how your mom felt bringing you up. Oh, Jen's fiddling with this again. Oh, I'm the Jen's same. Bring, <laughs> breaking <laughs> that again. Um, I've been spending a, an interestingly large amount of time with uh, Perry Stern from MSN, an hour auto expert. Um, I seem to... Uh, Perry, it's almost like I run into to you at bars all across the country. Perry's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, we do tend to seem to be on the same programs uh, pretty pretty regularly lately. Uh, you, of course, uh, write uh, for MSN and our auto expert, and uh, I don't. I do the TV and the radio part, and you do the the wordy wordy part, which is I'm not very good at. But you are. Did you say wordy nerdy? Wordy wordy and the and the, and the pictures that don't move. Yes, the wordy nerdy. The still the stills and the wordy wordy part. Not wordy nerdy, but wordy wordy part. 
Um, so I'm the social wordy nerdy. <laughs> oh yes, and that's right. Jen does our social media too. So you're all wordy nerdy people. I'm a wordy nerdy. Uh, Perry, winter coming up. It looks like that, uh, especially if you live somewhere north of the Mason-Dixon line, you should probably start thinking about making sure your car can make it through the winter. Nothing like being stranded on the side of the road in freezing cold temperatures or icy roads or rainy roads um, and not being prepared for it. So winterizing your car is it still a thing or do you? Because I don't know. Most people don't bother i mean i winterize my motorcycles but should should i be winterizing my car yeah maybe winterize isn't the right term you know winterize in my head is putting it away for winter and what you're doing you know for your car is basically getting it ready to deal with winter uh and it's you know there's so many different things that you need to you know think about uh tires is a huge part of it you know whether you're going to deal with snow with wet roads but when it gets cold, you know, tires tend to lose some traction. So you want to make sure that, you know, your tires are up to pressure. Uh, for every, I think it's every 10 degrees drop in temperature, you're going to lose about a pound of tire pressure. So you want to check it throughout the winter. And tire tread. You know, you do want to do the, the, the uh, penny test, which, you know, you stick the penny in with Abe Lincoln's head upside down and, if you can see the top of his head, you don't have enough tread, and uh, you <laughs> should be looking one. at new tires. That's a good one. Um, all right, I'm writing this down here. I'm making a list, by the way. How do I know what uh, what pressure my what pressure my tire should be? Because you know, like, uh, of course, I'm asking these questions with tongue in cheek, but I'm asking them as somebody who may not know much about cars would ask them. Uh, so thinking about this, uh, the only time I ever or most people ever worry about how much pressure is in their tire is when they get that little sign on the dash that says flat or low. But how do you? How do I know? Right, which is a little I, too late at that point. So what you want to do is look inside the door jam of the uh, driver's side door, and there'll be a little, there's like a little um, plaque there, and it actually tells you what the recommended tire pressure is for your car. And then you just get, you just go to so the gas don't station. Don't look at the tire. Look at the, look at the actual car, the little plaque on the door. It's actually inside the door, uh, inside the door jam, and you want to, you know, get the tires up to that pressure. Uh, it will drive so much better, and, you know, aside from giving you better traction during the winter, it actually helps improve your fuel economy, too. Now I've noticed that if I ride my motorcycles with uh, with low air in the tire, it really really changes the amount of fuel consumed. So cars are obviously a lot more. Um, so all right, so I need a, a penny with Lincoln's head on it, which I think they all have, and then I also need a tire pressure yes. monitor. It doesn't have gauge. Lincoln's head; it's not a penny. No. <laughs> All right, I'm just che I'm checking my change. Yep, they all Lincoln's head on. We're good. Uh, all right, so so now I have that. What else am I doing? So you want to check your battery. Uh, make sure there's no corrosion around the the um, the battery connections, uh, mainly because any kind of corrosion is going to cut back on how much power is getting to your car. And during the winter, when it starts getting cold, you know, your battery you're going to need a bit more power coming out of the battery. The batteries you know tend to lose power during the during the colder months. And so if your car right now is doing that vroom, vroom, you know, getting kind of slow to get started, this might be the time to think about swapping out batteries. And they're pretty easy to do, right? Uh, you, you can actually do it yourself most of the time. You can take it off, take, go to a local. Your local dealer will do it if you don't want to do it yourself. But you can also take the battery in to somewhere like Batteries uh, Plus, or you can take it into a, an automotive store, and they will uh, swap out your battery for the new one. And then yeah, you can just mount it in there. And all it takes is a, a wrench, really, to get uh, the, the old battery on and get the new one in, right? 
Yeah, I mean, some are a little harder to get to than others, and there's some strange cars that have batteries behind the back seats and things like that. But all right, um, all right. Wait owner's a second. manual. Wait owner's a... manual is the answer to everything. Strange cars. Who has a battery behind the seat? I'm oh, I, wait, wait a second. The smart car does, doesn't it? Actually, for a while, Mercedes had them under the back passenger seat, back uh, seat. I don't know why, but that's, <laughs> I remember having to jumpstart a Mercedes and having to open the back door and move the back seat in order to jumpstart it. That's weird. <laughs> what was this, a, like a really old Mercedes? Because I can't think of anybody that doesn't have them in the... It wasn't that long ago. I mean, within the last 10, 15 years. Wow, crazy. So I guess I guess that is really old. Maybe, I don't know. Now, windshield wipers is also uh, something else you should probably change too, correct? Was that correct? The windshield wipers? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, windshield wipers also, you know, when you, when you start having to move snow off of them and you're, you know, you're going to be using them a lot more often, especially if you're going, driving in places where they put salt on the roads, you know, after about, you know, three minutes going down the freeway, suddenly you can't see again. So you're going to be using them a lot. Uh, so you want to make sure that your wipers are, are, uh, relatively new. Those are also very easy to replace and relatively inexpensive, uh, compared to the accident that will happen when you can't see out your windshield. Again, you can usually go to pretty much the same place that you've got to change your battery. They'll also have windshield wipers. You just tell them the year and the model of your car, and they can usually give them. They're sort of a snap-on thing nowadays, right? You don't need any tools. Right. For most cars, yeah, there's no tools necessary. And, again, owner's manual or even the windshield wipers, when you buy the replacements, they typically have directions on them how to do it. Right. Um, at the same time, would you want to make sure that the washer fluid you're using has is an antifreeze-type washer fluid, um, especially in the colder areas if you don't? Uh, and I grew up in Chicago area. Uh, if you just put water or something that's just soap and it's very cold outside, you'll basically be spraying ice onto your windshield. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And, oh, by the way, if you put uh, an antifreeze uh, windshield wiper in, make sure it's pet-friendly as well because antifreeze yes. is absolutely toxic to pets. Stack around or stay around, Perry, because we're going to talk about the Mercedes GLC. That's all coming up as our auto expert continues here. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows for our automotive videos, read inside car stories about your next ride, and you'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. On the phone with us, Perry Stern, who writes for MSN Autos, along with Our Auto Expert. Uh, Perry and I uh, were on a, an event in upstate New York recently for the Mercedes-Benz GLC. The most successful Mercedes-Benz in the nation is the GLC. Sells more versions. Perry, are you an SUV or the SUV coupe kind of guy? I'm more of the SUV. Uh, the SUV, I think the styling looks better. It actually has more useful space. Uh, there's more headroom in the back seat. There's more cargo space. Um, and actually, it's lighter, so it can be quicker than the coupe, even though the coupe technically is the sportier one. Except the coupe makes you look more sexy. If you think so. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's interesting that the, the SUV actually provides is is more useful and is less expensive as well. I mean, the SUV starts around what forty forty two five. You can get a front wheel drive version of the GLC three hundred in the SUV. The coupe is only available with all wheel drive, so that bumps the price up to about fifty grand if you're going to go into the GLC three hundred coupe. But the fun ones are, of course, the ones that say AMG in the name. 
the GLC 63 and the 63S are ridiculously fast. I mean, they, they go zero to 60 in under four seconds, which is what supercars used to do. How many I mean, times? This did, is a five. How many times? SUV. How many times did you do that, by the way, on the ride and drive? Oh, I you know <laughs> only up to the speed limit. That's all I. I, I can tell you. <laughs> I I think uh, they warned us quite severely on this ride and drive that there was an awful lot of uh, New York State troopers out uh, doing a lot of speed checks. You saw quite the way. a few. Yeah, I think the camera crew got a speeding ticket, but none of the journalists did, which is you know. Yeah, and that's that's hard. You know, it's hard to keep it under wraps. You know, when you're driving a, uh, you know, a, it's still an SUV, so it doesn't really attract attention. Except it'll go zero to sixty in three point six seconds in the coupe. Um, it's you know, it's it is very fast. And they're very roomy. Uh, and it was very interesting to see that that this is the same zero to sixty time that it, ten years ago the three hundred thousand dollar V twelve Mercedes <laughs> SL sixty five Black Series did. In a sense too so it negates a long way. it negates ever buying an old car, doesn't it? When you see the price and what a new car can do compared to an old one, then you know old cars sell for nostalgia, but when you when you look at I don't know, I, I look at some new cars and I'm just like thinking, Holy hell, how is this possible? How are all these things possible with these cars when even five years ago the technology didn't exist in half of these cars that, that make them able to do such incredible things? And the other thing I always think about when I'm on these ride and drives, and I'm sure it's crossed your mind, they always tell us at the beginning uh, they do this sort of what they call housekeeping road briefing of the route. And they say, listen, you know, the cars are ours, the tickets are yours, this is where you're going to drive, this is what you're going to do, be careful, there is a lot of police out there and don't do anything irresponsible. And then they give you this huge road where you can see for about 10 miles in each direction and there's nothing coming and 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 the speed limit's like 45 what are you supposed to do well you're supposed to go the speed limit isn't that what you do (laughs) yeah but it's it's like putting a cupcake in front of a five-year-old princess a pink cupcake and saying don't touch it don't eat it (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly Uh, it's almost impossible to resist Uh, and i may have i may have accidentally gone over the speed limit a couple times just saying just accidentally but i have to say there there are some really cool features in this car yeah uh one that i've got to call out is this augmented navigation which basically it, it has regular navigation on the screen, but when you get close to a turn, it brings up the front-facing camera, superimposes the navigation over the view to the front, and basically signposts the name of the road with yeah. the arrows pointing the direction you're supposed to go. Yeah, it's almost like having a... That was the most amazing thing. A, a virtual signpost appear in the middle of the road on the camera and tells you where you turn. Turn here. So instead of looking at a map which has exactly. an arrow, which, yeah, it just has a signpost saying, this is your turn, and it's a live camera. I think my only criticism yeah. of that system is I'd like it to come up a little sooner. Um, sometimes it doesn't kind of come up quite soon enough. And, you know, if you're traveling at 55 miles an hour and you have to make a turn, it's not always that easy. Yes, we, we probably missed that same turn you're thinking of. <laughs> um, when you are going highway speeds, it does tend to alert you a little too slow. On backcountry roads, though, it was fantastic. I mean, the, you know, when there's little tiny roads that you, you know, were just driven past never thinking that that could be, possibly be your turn, the nav will actually show you where it is. Yeah, I do love that feature about it. The other thing I, I, I have to get your opinion on is one of the features that they introduced in the A-Class quite recently is the MBUX, which is Mercedes-Benz User Experience. That's what it stands for. And it's really uh, a sort of a real-language virtual interactive machine where you can talk to the car. The trouble is the trigger word, like you would say, and I know all these people with their radios on now are going to hate me, but when you say, hey, Alexa, 
when you do that, you know, your Alexa triggers, if you use the word, hey, Mercedes, or just Mercedes, it often comes on. And so having a conversation about the car you're driving in the car is often quite difficult. It was quite annoying, actually. And we started referring to it as the German company that starts with M. Because the every time we would say Mercedes, it would interrupt whatever the radio was doing or the navigation to say, how can I help you? Which is very kind of it, but... Uh, yeah, and the problem is any any word you change it to at some point it's going to be unless it's a complete nonsense word it's going to be in a sentence and it is true you can change it to whatever words or whatever triggered word you want but in my opinion it's not that hard to push a button I would rather push a button to activate it than to have it listen to everything I'm saying I do like the, the fact that though the features that it has apart from the trigger word the features it has is you could ask it pretty much anything and if it doesn't already uh, if it's not able to calculate the answer so you can ask it math questions and it will do math questions immediately for you like you can say hey Mercedes what's 5654 you know um, what's the square root and it will do that calculation instantaneously and tell you. However, uh, if it doesn't know the answer to your question, it will go to the Internet to try and find it. Now, we've tested this, and it went to the Internet and found some things that we weren't expecting it to come back with. So <laughs> I, can, I can say no more than that, only that I almost had to be taken out of the car because I was laughing so hard on oh the floor of the car. Awesome. But it is, they do call it an entertainment system. Yes, it is. Uh, that was very entertaining. Just don't ask it several things because it will answer. And if you have kids in the car, it could be highly embarrassing. Oh, <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, I'm not even going to ask what you asked. It, no, but, I, I, maybe um, I'll, I'll tell you offline. But did just, it pull up Urban Dictionary or what? No, I went online and looked for what I was asking, okay. and which actually wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily things. bad, but it, what it found was bad. <laughs> So I mean, you, you can also say, hey, Mercedes, where's the closest Starbucks? And it will find it and then navigate you to it, which is kind of cool. And, and sort of fairly... fairly and, uh, and less uh, bad for the kids. Right. It, but it has fairly more levels than that because you can say things like, hey, Mercedes, uh, find me an Asian restaurant but not sushi with, the, with five stars within 10 miles. And if it's available, it'll find it for you. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it, it does have some cool humor. features. It just, you know... There's still something to be said for uh, it interrupting constantly. <laughs> and, and, of course, it doesn't respond to very well like, hey, shut up, Mercedes. Although I did find <laughs> – I did like it when I said, hey, Mercedes, tell me a joke, and it says, I can't. My engineers were German. German. I thought that was funny. But uh, that, yeah. is, that is one of the best parts about it, I yeah. agree. Um, it, but overall, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great premium you know, crossover. You know, it's five passengers, so there's a lot of cargo space. Uh, it's easy to drive. You know, the 300 is relatively fuel efficient. And if you want a sports car, too, you get basically sports car handling in a five-passenger crossover. It's an all-in-one package. What's the starting price? Uh, starting price is about 45 for a front-wheel drive SUV. But it'll you know, when you load up an AMG uh, 63 or 63S, which is even more powerful, uh, you're talking ninety, close to a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, chump change! A week's wages if you work at MSN.com, right? Yeah, yeah, that's why <laughs> I'm still on the radio with you. <laughs> oh, pal, right? That's like a Perry. Where can we read your stuff? 
Ah, uh, you can see it uh, as you mentioned on MSN. You can see it on our Auto Expert or on Auto Next Auto NXT All right, Perry Stern. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you want to read some of Perry's articles, feel free to go to our Auto Expert, where you can also hear many times that Perry has joined us on the radio to talk about different products and some trips around the world. I'm sure I will run into you. In fact, I think our next date is in Japan in a couple of weeks' time. Perry Stern, thanks for joining us. Coming up, we're going to talk about Toyota and the fact that they have rolled out a new Mirai and a whole bunch of new hybrids. That's on Our Auto Expert as we continue. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Welcome back to the show. You can, uh, of course, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, start a conversation with us. They're all Our Auto Expert. Uh, He's a regular on our show. He comes and talks about some fun and interesting vehicles that he's been driving. Brian Armstead, you'll be able to read his stuff all over the world. And he joins us today on the phone. Brian, you went to a special event that Toyota put on recently where not only did they unveil some uh, new forms of their vehicles, especially their alternative fuel cell vehicles, but they really talked about the history and how they're forging forward with their hybrids and uh, also their fuel cell vehicles well my work is done you just uh <laughs> done my whole, uh, my whole segment and, yeah I'm, uh, what else do you want to talk <laughs> no but um you know we we can joke about nick and jen well, first of all thanks for having me on again i really enjoyed the program um we can joke about fuel economy and d12s and twin turbos and all this other stuff but the reality of it is is that in time and we don't know what the answer to that question is when there will be, we will run out of fossil fuel. The big straw that we have in the center of the earth will we keep sucking, sucking, sucking on it, and eventually it's going to run dry. So manufacturers like Toyota, Hyundai, uh, Nissan, uh, BMW, Tesla, they're all developing alternative fuel strategies. So Toyota had us in. Greensboro, North Carolina, for their evolution, E um, meaning electric, evolution. Uh, so they've chosen a different pathway to electricity. Of course, they have their hybrid vehicles, which have been sensationally popular over the years. If you remember the original 2000 Toyota Prius, I mean, that car was just plain Jane. It looked like a, a Corolla on steroids. So... They changed the body style of the Prius to make it look more radical, and sales just went through the roof. And it, I'm at a car show, so if you hear motorcycle revving up in the background, uh, <laughs> that's, that's all. It's that's all good. All it is. adds to the ambiance mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. Great, great. <laughs> so, um, you know, the hybrids from Toyota and from Honda, they took this really radical styling approach with weird angles and, and weird wheels and they almost screamed, hey, I'm green. I want to be that person that, that sets the standard. It became wildly popular. You know, they got special provisions or um, uh, um, access to HOV lanes in California and here on the East Coast in Maryland, uh, D.C., Virginia area. And it just became a cult car, the Toyota Prius. So Toyota wisely started applying this technology to their other vehicles, Camry, uh, RAV4, Avalon, and now Corolla. So they have a full gaggle, a full cadre of hybrid vehicles that you can go from, you know, mild hybrid to full hybrid to plug-in hybrid. And they've been wildly successful with the whole technology. Moving forward, 
they're not committed to pure electric technology like Tesla, like Audi, like uh, some other companies. Hyundai, um, Honda, and Toyota have developed fuel cell vehicles, and they think that hydrogen, uh, Nick and Jen, will be the answer moving forward. So we got a chance to see the 2021 Mirai. It looks really nice, guys. It doesn't look like a crazy-looking Toyota hybrid. I mean, some of their designs are really, really radical. These huge grills and kind of funky snorkels in the front and all kinds of sharp angles. This looks like a beautiful Lexus car. It's really extremely well done. We did not get a chance to drive the 2021 model. That's going to come next year, the opportunity. I'm sure you'll be on that program, Nick. Uh, but we did get a chance to drive the first-generation Mirai, which does the job. You know, uh, it, the styling to me is a little over the top. It's very cramped inside for a big guy. But the second-gen uh, Mirai will make 30% more horsepower. And I think it's important um, to, to let folks know just how hydrogen fuel cell cars create power. I was on a radio show in Atlanta earlier today, and one of the callers called in and says, yes, these are the cars that run on water. So there's still a lot of education, Nick and Jen, that needs to be, uh, to be completed. No, hydrogen cars do not run on water. They use hydrogen fuel, a hydrogen liquid, hydrogen gas, and they combine that with oxygen to provide, to turn it into electricity. And the output is water, is water vapor. So they produce water, but they don't run on water. And I think that as Nick and Jen, as we move forward into all of these new alternative propulsion vehicles, then there'll be more forums on educating consumers, not only on radio shows like this one, mm -hmm. but from the manufacturers themselves and right. YouTube videos and through you know, webinars and um, different kinds of forums to and, help and, educate people. And certain kind of educations. Brian, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk more about how hybrid will become the norm, especially with Toyota, and uh, less of a fringe technology, because it looks like everybody's going to have hybrid vehicles. It's coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Locally celebrated, nationally uh, created, this is the Northwest and the Southeast in America. It's the Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, and on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles. On the phone with us, Brian Armstead, who's talking about the future of hybrids. In fact, he went to a Toyota event uh, and looked at some of the latest alternative fuel vehicles, including the 2021 Mirai. Uh, Brian, one of the big pieces of news that Toyota announced recently was the 2020 Toyota hybrids and EVs get a 10-year, 150,000-mile battery warranty. Uh, that's something new and really sort of demonstrates that car companies now are more sort of re really more convinced and, and uh, happy to show off these technologies as being a more solid alternative to uh, or more solid mainstream uh, fuel rather than uh, what it used to be is where hybrids and plug-in electrics used to be something that were sort of a fringe uh, technology at some point. And that people were afraid of the technology. You know, what's the cost going to be when it's time to replace the battery? And then they get Toyota Priuses that have 200,000 miles plus on original battery packs, which is pretty phenomenal when you consider the charge-discharge, all the charge-discharge cycles that a hybrid vehicle goes through in its lifetime. So the previous warranty 
was eight years, 100,000 miles, and as we said, now 10 years, 150,000 miles on all 2020 vehicles beyond and beyond. And again, Doug Murtha, um, he gave a really cool presentation. They had three experts, including a woman uh, engineer uh, who's a senior engineer for the Mirai platform. This is a spectacular presentation by Toyota. BEV vehicles are 1% of the U.S. market, and the median price for a battery electric vehicle BEV is $70,000. So, I mean, nobody's really, there are people out there who are early adopters of this technology, but nothing is really caught on yet. And Toyota does not want to go down that road because lithium-ion technology is still not fully developed. The battery capacity is just not there for the kind of range that they want for their vehicles long term. And they wonder what the uh, impact on the environment will be. What is the end-of-life cycle impact that lithium has on the environment? And then you also have to understand that people may end up going to war over lithium much in the way that nations fight over oil, because China has pretty much wrapped up all of the lithium resources in the world. They went into Africa, bought up all the lithium mines there. They control the lithium market, which is one of the reasons that we're in this tariff battle with the Chinese government, because of the control of lithium. I mean, it's the world's, uh, the world's desire for propulsion and for transportation once oil runs out, will be really controlled by only a handful of people, much like the diamond market for years was controlled through the beer syndicate in South Africa. So that's the kind of impact that Toyota was looking at. It's like, no, we don't want to go that route. We want to go hydrogen. There are 10 million metric tons of hydrogen produced in this country every year. And when you think about it, Nick, you've seen hydrogen buses before. I mean, you've seen hydrogen-powered trucks in commercial vehicles, this technology has been on the road for a while. And in big metropolises like D.C. and Atlanta, where they have hybrid buses and hydrogen-powered buses, the hydrogen-powered vehicles get 30% more efficiency and have a 30% lower operating cost than the, hydro, uh, than the hybrid-powered vehicles. So the technology is there. So what's the big problem, Nick and Jen? Infrastructure. Right. You know, out there on the West Coast, if you go south of Portland, keep on going until you get to Southern California, you'll find hydrogen charging stations. That's about it. There are practically none on the East Coast. We had one in Washington, D.C. We may have four or five in the entire uh, uh, Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. Uh, there are practically none, uh, no infrastructure on the East Coast. So that remains the biggest problem as we move forward with this uh, type of technology. In the space of time, looking at where we are with lithium-ion batteries for those hybrid vehicles, we're still early on probably in the development, even though we see hybrids as something you can walk into almost every car dealership and buy. And that was really highlighted this week by the development of the lithium-ion battery earning the Nobel Prize for Chemistry awarded to three scientists who uh, won that this year, making of the modern battery and making it possible. But it's still evolving. There are still companies now who are looking at 
alternative energies. I know that uh, Kia and Hyundai are looking at lithium polymer batteries as a possibility and something they're using in uh, some stages in their vehicles. This is still something that uh, seems to be evolving every year. Uh, but at the same time is becoming cheaper and cheaper and uh, more inexpensive. And we, th I think we're sort of at the stage now where you talk about hybrid vehicles being the same price or only up to $1,500 more than the gasoline version, which now actually starts to make sense because if you're saving 5 to 10 miles um, you know, on a, a, a gallon, it actually makes sense to buy one of these and you could actually pay it off in the lifetime of a vehicle, whereas the original hybrid vehicles, uh, you'd find it pretty impossible paying $10,000, $15,000 more to ever make that a financial sense of making that sort of decision. You're so right. I mean, Toyota Avalon uh, hybrid, Toyota Camry hybrid, these are full-size uh, sedans, and the Avalon has a lot of luxury, um, almost Lexus-like levels of luxury, and yet they can still get 40 miles a gallon plus. Um, in, you know, in steady-state driving, uh, city and highway combined. That's phenomenal for a vehicle with that kind of power output. These hybrid, uh, they get up and go. You know, you, you have the gasoline power, then you have the hybrid assist in some capacities, and they're, they're really impressive on the road. We drove the Avalon, we drove the Camry, we drove the Corolla, the RAV4, and the Highlander. All of their hybrids were made available to us, as was, as I stated, the early, you know, the first-generation Mirai, I think Toyota, Toyota and Audi and Hyundai and Kia and all these manufacturers, Ford, you know, with, uh, when they had their um, C-Max out, Chevy, when they had that terrific bolt out. I don't know why they killed that, but that's a topic for another day. Um, you know, we're starting to see the development of these technologies. And take Nissan, for example. The Leaf used to give you range anxiety like you wouldn't believe. You go, it says 100 miles, you go 20 miles, and the lights start blinking. Now they developed a better battery for the Nissan Leaf. It's a legitimate electric car now. So, you know, you're right. Nascent technology, a lot of developments to come. Lithium polymer, hopefully, will eliminate some of the fire risks of lithium ion that people have experienced with Teslas and with batteries and laptops on planes and things of that nature. So, yes, the science is, um, you know, Toyota, for example, spends $1 million a day on research and development. You better believe the other manufacturers are spending just as much or, or maybe you know an equal amount of uh, money in putting effort into developing these alternative fuel technologies. Those are an exciting time to be in the industry and watching it grow. And, you know, stay tuned. There's going to be more of this good stuff to come. Yeah, and talking about that, the to the LA Auto Show, which is on the docket for coming up in November, will be the place that Toyota unveils the 2021 RAV4 and their first plug-in, the first look at that plug-in for 2021. The RAV4, of course, uh, when we zoom out to 10,000 miles and look at it, they're selling 450,000 of these vehicles in every single year. That's a huge Phenomenal. amount. And now to have a hybrid version of it, a plug-in hybrid version of it, means that uh, we're really sort of making moves where we see such a huge high-volume SUV being available in a plug-in hybrid. So now we have battery, we have oh, battery electric EVs, BEVs, BEVs, we have hydrogen vehicles, of which there is two or three available, Honda have one, uh, Hyundai have one, uh, Toyota have one. We have the hybrids and the, the plug-in hybrids, so it's not so much, and, and, and one of the things that impressed me so much is uh, when I talked to several of the specialists around this, they said, when you stop 
calling them electric versions of the vehicles and just call it the Toyota RAV4, but I have the plug-in hybrid version, then we will know that this technology has finally arrived. And now there's so many of these vehicles available, and yet still so much more to come. 200 BEVs are going to be available for sale in the next two years. That's a lot of vehicles. It is. And again, you know, uh, the their 20, uh, Tokyo 2020 will kind of be the coming out party for the Mirai. So, um, you know, let's, let's, see what, let's see where it goes. I mean, this is really, like I said, an exciting time. The technology is growing in leaps and bounds. It's not taking incremental steps forward anymore. They're taking quantum steps forward. And uh, it can only get better. Like you said, when, with, a, with a mainstream SUV, small SUV like the RAV4, it can only work wonders for the perceptions to help erase the negative perceptions that some people may have about hybrid electric vehicles. So it's all good. Where do you think where do you think fuel economy is going to be? Because right now some of the sort of the best, obviously depending on the size of the vehicle. But uh, Prius, you know, started off with this. Uh, we're hitting forty five miles a gallon, but really we're lucky to hit fifty. And now they're claiming, you know, fifty four is uh, what they're getting just out of the the Prius alone. That's not what you can actually get. That's uh, what what the uh, the government say you should have on the fuel economy numbers. Uh, are we going to see sixty miles a gallon? Are we going to see seventy miles a gallon? out of some of these hybrids absolutely again as the technology improves you'll they'll be able to lighten chassis with all the new polymer structures carbon fiber com, uh, composite uh, structures that are going to come forth in the um, in the future you know cafe is still on the books i know the rules have been uh, you know people are trying to change the rules for cafe but manufacturers are still working. Uh, CAFE means corporate average, uh, for your listeners, corporate average fuel economy requirements that the government mandated all manufacturers meet certain milestones by certain years. Even if the um, CAFE requirements are rolled back by the current administration, manufacturers are like, no, we're going to move forward with our technology because eventually there'll be another administration and then they'll change things and then we got to start all over. So... We're just going to see growth in, in body construction. Aluminum will be more prevalent. Plastic cars, high-quality, high-tensile-strength plastics, and you know polymers. Everything is just going to be almost Jetson-like in terms of uh, the, the march forward in technology. It, it can only happen that way. You know, right. as we move forward to autonomous cars and self-driving, uh, you know, uh, highways that are, you know, highway grids that or self-driving, not not self-driving. You know what I mean. Um, smart highways. Right. It can only it can only work with vehicles that will help sustain uh, a green a green uh, posture towards the future. Global warming. I don't care what your thoughts of it are. Some of the science is very real. So the, the, the OEMs are working very hard to make sure that they're not left in the dust. Because can you imagine if the auto industry collapsed today or tomorrow? The world economy would be in an uproar. It yeah, would just be course. upside down. 20, 25. So they've got to stay relevant. They've got to stay uh, on top of technology, and it, it's only going to get better. 25%, of course, of uh, of all advertising dollars come from automotive. I know that because I happen to be in the, in the broadcast in the broadcast, uh, field, I guess. Uh, Brian, it's always a great pleasure to have you on. I know we've got a lot to look forward to over the next few weeks. We'll look forward to having you back on. Where can we read some of your uh, articles and some of your research? 
Well, you can. Um, I, I'm putting together an article for DriveLatino.com. Uh, you can reach me at uh, DetroitGuru.com, and also you can reach me on Instagram at Sun. Big old sun in the sky. All right. Brian Armistead, a pleasure to have you on. I'm I'm also very happy to call you one of my friends and a great auto journalist. We'll have Brian on again soon. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Have a great week. You can, of course, catch up with previous episodes of the show at OurAutoExpert.com. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 